Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Making Waves Podcast. Today I'm talking with Adam Reaver. Adam is the founder and owner of FU Tone. Now, Adam's worked with just about every major guitar player in the world, and he has made their tone sound killer, their sustain better, and uh, you know, that little drop detuning thing that you may know about. He invented a detuna. So today we talk about what it's like to be Eddie Van Halen's business partner, what it's like to start the business in the first place. I think Adam is just the quintessential American success story. He started the business with nothing, and more importantly, he is a super dude. Um, that company has the best customer service of any company that I've ever known, and um, I'm really intrigued with what he's doing with media building the brand. But first, let's talk about our sponsors. Jesse Itzler's 30 Days of Excellence and the iconic clothing brand Britches Great Outdoors. Britches is a world famous clothing brand that changed the face of fashion as we know it. They are the company that brought the rugby back to America and the creators of the iconic Warthog logo. So right now, get an exclusive 10% off your entire order at warthog.vip. Just use code WAVES, W-A-V-E-S, at checkout. Now, if you want to improve your life, if you want motivation, if you want to hang out with like-minded people, you got to sign up for 30 Days of Excellence by Jesse Itzler and his BYLR program. Offers live, weekly life coaching with some of the world's best experts in their fields. Now, check out some of these. Legendary Wim Hof, best-selling author and brain coach Jim Quick, neurosurgeon and medical expert Sanjay Gupta. It's hosted by Jesse Itzler, world-famous entrepreneur, as well as former Navy SEAL and endurance athlete Chad Wright, and retired NFL linebacker and celebrity trainer Mark Brown. When you sign up for 30 Days of Excellence, you get four live calls a month, access to Jesse's Build Your Life resume course, which is normally a $399 value, one new challenge theme a month, a 30-day roadmap for successful habits, and unlimited access to past calls. It costs $60 a month, but if you're a Making Waves listener, you'll get 50% off the first month just to give it a try. Just go to BYLR.com, click on 30 Days of Excellence, and use the code WAVES at checkout, W-A-V-E-S. See a pattern here with that code. So let's not waste any more time. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Adam Reaver from FU Tone. There you are. Hey there. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me okay? I can. I hear you great. It's so good to see you. My pleasure. Good to see you. Thank you. And thanks for inviting me. Oh, this is great. I've been meaning to talk. Well, on this, we've talked before, but on in this setting, I've been meaning to talk to you for a really long time. And here we are. And here we are. Well, listen, before we get started, I always ask a series of 10 rapid fire questions. Okay. So it's the first thing you think of. Nothing in the middle, ideally. And uh, I'll be, it's easy. It's easy. I'll be easy on you. Dogs or cats? Geez, that's a hard one off the bat. Is it? Yeah. Because, oh, shit. Now I'm already breaking the rules on the dumbest, easiest question. Dogs uh, or cats? It's like that should be easy. Like, I love dogs. I love playing with them. And I love my daughter's cats. Uh, today, I'll give you dogs. All right. Good answer. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Rolling okay, Rolling Stones or Beatles? Unfair question, but with a do or die it depends on the day. <laughs> depends on the day, because I go deep on both. Today I'll give you Beatles. All right. Uh Coke or Pepsi if you happen to drink soda. Coke always. Diet Coke, I prefer. Beach or mountains? Beach. Uh PC or Mac? Oh, Mac. Uh East or West Coast. You're an East Coast guy, but you travel all over the place. I do, and and I'm going to say West, and I'll just footnote it with, I love it there so much. I feel like I belong there from the very first time I've ever been there. Yeah. It feels like home to me. I'm going in two weeks. I'm like, I just can't wait. You also say that because that's like where the magic of music is in terms of like, you know, the history of the people that use, musicians that use your equipment you know, started in that time on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, I mean, but I, I won't discount my Northeast roots, you know, New York, New Jersey, Philly. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, we have, we have our own music history, which is great. But yeah, that 80 sunset strip shredder is, you know, the prototypical FU guy. Yeah. But there's something about California from the very first time I was there. I just felt like home. Okay. Okay. Um, Kramer or Costanza? Comedians in cars getting coffee over all of them. I, 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 I think I'm the only person in this country that wasn't like the Seinfeld guy, like the George yeah. I didn't watch. It wasn't my thing. Really? It wasn't my thing. Comedians in cars getting coffee could be my favorite show. Okay. It's great. Uh, Superman or Batman? Batman. Okay. I think I know where you're going to go with this one. Kardashians or Osbournes? Oh, please. <laughs> and obviously Osborne's and, and kudos to Gary Holt from Slayer for his Kill the Kardashians uh, wear, which you yeah. can find on his website. Well, awesome. You did a great job. This gives me an idea of who I'm working with here. Got and, it. Uh, it's funny. Oh, that, that was my litmus test. <laughs> that was your litmus test. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. <laughs> now I know where the part, the, uh, the yardstick comes from now. Um, so I had Jeremy White on the podcast yesterday. He says hello. Jeremy White's yeah. killing it. Yeah, guy's killing it. And we had talked yesterday. Let me get this list here. Not one person in all three seasons of this podcast, not one person has ever said Star Trek. The majority <laughs> of the people say the Stones. Uh, only one person said Pepsi, and uh, everything else is well. So I'm in the I'm in the masses. I, good, I roll with good. the crew. You're I'm good. one of the guys. All right. So listen, this is how I talk to you about people. There's a handful of people in, in the in the guitar world that has shaped and innovated in terms of the manufacturing or the guitar. Uh, you know, you have Les Paul. I throw in Eddie Van Halen. Um, and you have obviously Leo Fender. And, and um, it, I include you in that list. No, 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 no. You no. might not, but no. I think that no, 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 no. <laughs> I've been using your stuff for Thank years. You. Thank you. And it's just it's a game changer. So for that reason only, if we're talking tone and everyone's uh, chasing tone, I'm 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 not gonna let you be modest. I'm just leave it at that. You're good. I have a comment about that. <laughs> yes. I'll give you a comment. And, hey, thank you. It was very nice. That's that's very nice. But what I did is a tonal thing and, and some other little things. Those guys you mentioned changed the game. They invented the game. Oh, Forget changed cool. it. Forget changed it. Those names that you mentioned, none of us would do what we do. The music wouldn't be what it is. You know, the tools became what they became because of those level innovators. That is, that is the Mount Rushmore of innovation. You know, all I did was make something sound a little bit better, but what they did was they just invented a new sport. Yeah. So thank you, but you made, you made a better soccer ball. <laughs> build build a better mousetrap a little bit, but yeah. I couldn't do that without those things. You know, it wouldn't be. It yeah. just this this industry wouldn't be what it is. There's there's guitar companies today that would not exist if they weren't building on the very basic principles of what Les Paul, Leo Fender, and Eddie Van Halen did. Forget him as a player, just as an innovator of how guitars are manufactured, what goes with what, how yeah. they can do what they can do. Take those tools away. We don't have the music that we have today. This is why I said what I said. When I go over the artist list of people that use your products, it's hard to find another guitar product that has this list. And well, it's, thank you. It's impressive. So thank in, you. in that regard, just with hands on the product, I, I have to throw you up in there. And that was. I'm just going to respectfully decline to be on that <laughs> list. But I will take the compliment and tip my hat to the guys that, that did invent this sport. Yeah. And I, I met um, I met Leo Fender's widow a couple years ago, and I, I had a wonderful conversation with her. And it went something like what we were just talking. I was like, yeah. he's not here for me to, to give the thanks that I would give him, so I'm going to give it to you. So yeah. sit tight, and I'm going to just – kiss ass for five minutes <laughs> and i did as you should i had the opportunity to um 
I was going to tell you this later, but um, so I, I mean, I've been playing the guitar since I was seriously about twelve, okay. and um, and I mean, I'm I you know I collected the guitar coffee table books and everything about guitars, and till this day, my best friend, one of my best friends who owns a business just like my myself, um, media production agency, will shut down the store a couple times a quarter and go on guitar safaris and we will spend i mean it's 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 not unheard of for us to be in one store for six to eight hours and it's just there's something about the instrument there's something about what it does there's something about the history of it and it's it's you know i'm sure you get this all the time why do you have all those guitars you know they i'm sure they all sound the same and they it, they just don't understand but for me it's the history of it you know because like touched on what you said without those guys we wouldn't have this so when i look at just the structure of the guitar and how it was built and and why you know this equals that and you know it's amazing to me, but I had an opportunity to go up to New York before Les Paul died. It was the year is the year before he died. Went up to the Meridian, uh, uh, Meridian, Meridian, and um, I didn't know if he was gonna. Um, we heard that if he was in a good mood, he would sign stuff. So I had this 2005 Les Paul standard faded, beautiful guitar. I love it, but um, I took that up there. And it was just the coolest experience. And I don't even know what we talked about. We spent about four minutes together. And it was just the guy that invented what I'm handing him is signing it to me. And that's just something that, I don't know, I, there's just a history to the instrument. And um, I, I very much appreciate it. So that being said, how did you get involved in the industry? To touch on what you just said before I answer that. I, I've been fortunate enough to to meet Les and hang with him a few times, and and I had the same feeling like it's holy grail. It's there's the guy, and he's the he was the funniest, you know, dirty joke telling funny guy. And then, much like a Van Halen, you watch him play guitar, and it's like that's impossible. And then you look at what he did for the the art of the guitar the construction of the guitar the guitar being what it is it's mind-boggling and much like you also i look at guitars like art like like if it were a painting or a sculpture or something there's something very there's something very even sexual about it something beautiful about it the lines of a guitar the look of a guitar the feel the smell the whole thing it's like a car and, pick your passion pick your passion because that's your art so yeah some guys will look at you know like a, a 60s corvette or a you know an early ferrari whatever your passion is it's not just a vintage car or a painting or this it's art to your eye and i look at guitars the same way it's to me it's it's truly art from the shape the the dimensions the look but the the overall construction to me it is art period and i that's another reason why i have the guitars i have because i i love the look of things and i'm going to go off a little further if you don't mind my favorite body shape probably out of all my guitars is an explorer i love explorers my office is 10 explorers just lined up because i think it looks artistic but when that came out in 58, when you had the, um, the Explorer and the Flying V and that Futura model that didn't go like the others, in 58, that was unheard of. It, it, it was a failure. It was, like this, it was like that Futurama type of thing they were going for. I look at that shape of guitar. I still stare at it and just go, whoever came up with this, this is the coolest thing ever. It's art. Well, let me ask you this real quick uh, before we proceed. I have this conversation mostly with myself, but sometimes with other people. And what I don't understand about the state of guitar, and this I, I would argue this has been for a really long time, nothing's really changing with the big guys, right? So Fender hasn't really innovated. I mean, this is my opinion. They haven't really innovated on things 
Gibson hasn't really innovated. You know, we have the standard line, and then what they do is, all right, we're gonna we're gonna swap out these pickups, and we're gonna make this pick guard a different color. But not, there is no new Fender. There is no new Gibson body shape. I'm I'm really speaking about body shapes. Is that mostly out of fear? Would you say? Um, is it you know because you you mentioned the Explorer and the um, the flying V and, and and they weren't successful right away, but they turned into these iconic instruments. Do you think that's what's happening here that they're a little afraid to, to do anything different? I mean, Gibson got punished for that robot guitar. And I think they've been a little, you know, a little, little shy about diving into that pole again since. It's like reinventing the wheel but I like what we talked about earlier of, of building a better mousetrap. So go back to, to the 50s. So you had, you know, Gibson and Fender were the big ones that were the cutting edge and that were writing the history of at that point, you know, coming out off of, you know, folk guitar and this and that, whatever. And then came the 80s, what, and I talk about this all the time. I said that was the revolution. That was the revolution when you had, you know, Charvel, Kramer, ESP, Jackson, guys like Grover Jackson, Wayne Charvel. To me, that was the revolution. Like, and you had these big giant companies and these guys building guitars in a garage in California. But the artists were like, this is good. This is what we need. This is, you know, and it worked. And of course, it went on to grow to what it did, get bought up, be cannibalized and and not be the um, not be the I don't want to use the wrong word, not be the underground cutting edge thing that it was, but that's what that's what happens. And then I think the revolution is happening again now for the third time and it, it is happening now and when it happened then no one saw it. like these big companies laughed at a guy building, you know, guitars in a garage, you know, that six guys played. They did they they thought it was a joke. It's happening again right now with guys trying to do the same thing of build a better mousetrap. There are so many boutique builders right now that are building insane guitars. There's guys winding crazy pickups, guys doing insane paintwork, guys working on bridges and things like that, what I do. Just trying to build a better mousetrap strap and as far as reinventing the body shapes you know you see stuff come out all the time and for me not much grabs me you know everything stays within that realm you know strat les paul telly explorer star body you know weird shape strat weird shape les paul juniors that type of thing the bodies kind of stay the same yeah Maybe they'll twist it a little. Do you but think I, that's because that's what we want fundamentally? I mean, because you look at the Steinbergers, the Parkers, they had a place in time and then they kind of went away. I think it's a combination. And that's a great point. And Parker, Parker and Steinberger is a great point. Here were two things, two new tools, completely different. And... Did they go away because people didn't want it enough or did they go away because maybe they weren't supported enough, like meaning they couldn't support what it was or they didn't go with the customer base? I don't know that because, I mean, out of the, the handful of Parkers that I've played, I always thought they were super cool guitars. They, they were innovative in one area and might have lacked in another, but maybe they would have come along and and filled in that lack spot. But, yeah. and, and same with Steinberger was a little trickier. I loved um, the playability and feel of a Steinberger. I thought a trans trim was cool and different, totally different tool to do a different job than either a locking tremolo or a tradi traditional uh, Strat style tremolo. Another way to skin the cat, maybe it was too much for people to digest. It was complicated. It was complicated. It was expensive. It wasn't readily available. You couldn't find strings on every corner like you can for anything else. And if you did have a problem, you'd have to find Jeff Babbick somewhere. And yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So why didn't it go all the way? I can't answer. But was it good enough? I, I think it was cool. I think yeah. it has its place. 
You know, I guess the question is the big two, Gibson and Fender. It, in my opinion, it doesn't seem like they, I, I agree with you. I think there's tons of boutique and independent guitar builders that are doing awesome things. I just don't see the big two doing that. And it's interesting. I mean, you can look at PRS and, you know, it's funny, uh, but that same friend, one of our guitar, we're in, so I'm in DC, not far from you, but uh, one of our guitar safari days, we went to the PRS um, uh, factory and they were so cool. And we were in there and towards the, like the, the staining area, there was a strat. And at the time, this was three, uh, maybe five years ago. There was no strats, you know, they had, they have their body style. I'm like, what's that all about? What's that strat here for? And it was like in prototype shape. And he's like, I probably shouldn't even say this, but um, that's John Mayer's prototype. We're building him a guitar. I said, you're building him a strat. And he's like, yeah, now of course they got beaten up for that, but I think it's a great guitar. Everyone else makes a strat copy. I don't know why they got so much shit for it, but just in my opinion, the big two have not kind of moved the nut, you know, down the road a little bit. I can't answer for them. And that is big business. And it becomes as much or more about business than it does about being creative and artistic and passionate. Passionate is key about what you do and, and delivering maybe the best thing instead of the most profitable thing. And again, I'm not answering for them. And PRS, even now you could call it the big three because they do that much business too. And they're, they're in that rare air. But I remember when PRS was building guitars in a garage down by you Mm -hmm. and it grew and grew and grew. And I've met Paul a few times and he was always very nice to me. I don't have a personal relationship. I barely know him. I've only met him a couple of times. But that's a guy that when I say someone is part of the revolution at that time was part of the revolution. And as you grow, you have to balance and weigh what you're doing and why you're doing it. Are you in this purely for your art and the passion? Are you in this to make money? Are you in it for a little of both? Can you balance? And then at some point, at some point, some people hold true and hold balance. And at some point, some people want more money and, you know, it becomes more of a conglomerate and you have hundreds of people working for you. In fact, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's that business model. They make great guitars. They, they are a, a legendary brand now. But I remember when it was an underground brand. And it was the equivalent in the 80s of a, a, a Charvel Jackson you know, Kramer type of deal where it was, you know, that boutique thing, you know, where every player in the world didn't know what it was, you know, and, and I have full respect. I mean, the guy built an insanely successful company and I think they make great guitars, Yeah, you know, but if you ever played an early PRS and I mean the early, early stuff, that's the you know when you go back and you play vintage strats and tellies you know 50s les pauls you know when you pick up that perfect 59 les paul you know why it is what it is you know that was cutting edge at that time and you pick it up today and it's amazing yeah yeah so okay let's start where how let's tell everybody what you do Okay. How did you start into this business? I was a 14-year-old punk guitar player kid. And my best friend from high school um, played guitar. When I had moved to a new school, I met him. I didn't play guitar yet. Okay. And he started me playing guitar and I played started learning and I started I got my first guitar. But what I what I found was I enjoyed taking my guitar apart or putting strings on it or upgrading it as rewarding as playing it. I mean, I, I, I found that going back to what you said, the mechanics, the art, the look, the thing, I love to figure out how this thing works. And over the years you figure out, well, I bet you that could be a little better. I wonder what would happen if you change this to that, you know, and, and we just kept building on that. Yeah. Um, it, it was a passion and that was the basis 
for everything. You know, I, I love what I do. I, I, even at the most hectic, crazy times and everything could be going wrong. I've never woken up once and said, Oh my God, I got to go to work, work. Well, when did it become a business? So just for those who aren't aware, you own FU tone and it is, so I'm going to describe it. Tell me if I'm, if I'm describing it correctly, the Floyd Rose tremolo system on guitars, locking Lock, bridge, locking nuts, all, lock, all locking trims, all locking trims. Um, you provide upgrades to that that improve playability, but also tonal values. Correct. Okay. Before that, before that was um, the detuner, EVH detuner. Okay. So detuner was my my entry into the industry and the business. So, but did you have a did you have a guitar upgrade business prior to Detuna? No, Detuna was my entry. How did that happen? My partner in Detuna had a had half of an idea. Okay, and then I worked on it with him and made it what it is now and made it work. And obviously, we partnered with Van Halen, and and Detuna became the thing. So. Detuna still 30 years later doing great and it's awesome. But Detuna was my footing into the industry. So as I worked with Locking Trims, all brands, and based on my history growing up as just a punk kid guitar player, it gave me the the luxury to try different things. And I knew enough people where I said, Hey man, you know, let me try to change this block on your guitar. Let me change this or that. And luckily, cause I had already had a foot in the business and this worked it, Then I just kept building on that. So detune a foot in the industry, thank God. And then FU tone building on top of that to, to upgrade the rest of a bridge. Okay. So it was a, the one, two punch. Um, all right. So I know that there's certain things you can't say about the relationship with Eddie Van Halen or the, 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 the technical aspects of it, maybe. Um, how are you able to tell me how that original meeting happened or that introduction, his introduction yeah. to the product? Yeah, yeah. My, my best friend who introduced me to guitar at the time, worked for him and i i was very fortunate and lucky enough to just have met him before before detune yeah. i just i just knew him i was you know his guy's friend and and i got to know him just this much a very little bit was your friend one of like the techs or uh, he he worked and okay. works it still in that in that field yeah and and i was just very fortunate and lucky to have even met him forget guitar it had nothing to do with guitar at all and i was like holy shit there's that there he is and it, it turns out he was just the nicest humble regular guy hey adam you know, hey man you know and it became like that kind of thing and that was you know the foot in the door okay what was when was the um when did you show it to him? Early '90s, Music Man era. Okay. Was that a? Can you describe that initial meeting? Of terrifying. Yeah. Anytime, because it was all prototype stuff then. Yeah. So when I would try different prototypes, you know, like I'd, I'd hit a home run on this one, I'd fail on that one. It's, you know, you're scared to death. But so you you knew him. You know, on some type of level. Very um, minor. Yeah. Yeah. But but was it one of those see, I always hear like some of the the, the things that he used or different, you know, um whatever it is, it just came out of a conversation of, Hey Eddie, I have something for you. Would you mind looking at it? kind of deal. Was it similar to that? I have this idea. Do you want to try it? Yeah, yeah. They they he he sniffed around it very cautiously and you know it's not and, and but it the initial version didn't work properly it was hit and miss yeah and you know when i came up with the the last 
version of it, which is basically what you still see today, that's that's what made it click, and 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 that worked. So you have some sort. Of, you're you're in business with Eddie Van Halen, whatever that is. Um, as the 14 year old boy that you described who just got into guitar, what did that mean to you? <laughs> like this is Eddie Van Halen. It, here's a good way to describe it. Even at, even after you know 28, 29, whatever. Even the last time I saw him, up to the first time I saw him. Even though it's totally cool, and you're like, "Hey, man, what's up?" Whatever, you know, play it really cool. On the inside, I'm still the 14 year old kid pinching myself, going, "I don't fucking believe this. Are you kidding me?" <laughs> and like, I've only been with him a thousand times, and I still don't believe it. Yeah, but that's the inside, and I could. And this is the last thing I'll say about him. Everybody will tell you what a great guitar player he was, what a great innovator he was. I will tell you what a great guy he was. He made me feel like the most important guy in the room. He asked me how my daughters were by name. He would roll out the red carpet and treat me so great always. And I'm still pinching myself inside as it's happening. He was that guy. Yeah. That's who he was. I'm telling you. So I, I, um, I met him a handful of times. Um, I started my career actually, um, as a photographer, I, I snuck in, <laughs> it's a long story, but, um, I just wanted to meet him. That's all I wanted to do. And in 95, I somehow found my way backstage at a balance tour here in DC. And, uh, I had Warner brothers credentials, but how I got there is a funny story, but, um, nicest guy in the world. And I had my girlfriend there at the time. And uh, just in the few times after that, um, just you could tell this is a really sweet guy. And I could go on and on and on. And, and, and I did. I wrote papers about him in college about how he changed the world of guitar manufacturing. There was no, you know, replace. I mean, I'm sure you could buy a replacement neck here or there. But just I don't think people realize the magnitude. Take the music playing away of the magnitude of the impact that he had on every single guitar that you see behind you right there you see behind me <laughs> and um i know i can speak for myself i was just i'm still trying to process him not being here it's i still soul crushed me and uh i don't know if it's something i'll ever get over quite honestly but it's just i i was always you know i, I always worked for, with him from afar and was someone that's great to hear that with for someone that worked with him so closely um did you guys work on any other that you can talk about any other okay um, how did you, okay. So to go back, your friend had the idea for the detuna where, did you have any type of engineering background? I wouldn't even call it an engineering background. I mean, at best I had four years of metal shop in high school <laughs> that, that I excelled at the only class I got straight A's in, in high school, but it was very easy for me to see, you know, well, this angle's wrong, this adjustment's wrong, that doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It was it was just a very basic problem, you know, for me to to see. So we we mashed our two thoughts together and again made it what you see today. And it worked. And it worked obviously pretty well, but that was that was it. So no, I, I, it's not like I worked at a machine shop or I was a you know an engineer in college. You know, so whether it was that meeting with uh, Eddie or I, it, it sounds to me that that's where that product really took off. That's the that is the only reason okay. it took off because the truth is, I, and I I could have went a couple other directions too. He was it, and and I'll footnote this, and then we'll. And this piece of it, he had input on everything I had to say, too. I was like, and we would brainstorm and go, change this, change that. He would say, how about this? How about that? It was him equal, equal. So, but when you had that, when, when that took off and he was a part of it, did you, were you, did you have another job at the time? Sure. Okay. Of so course. When did this become a business? Like, when did you leave that other job? And what was that other job? 
<laughs> when I started this, I actually, I was a kid. I was young. My first business was I owned a convenience store gas station when I was 20. How'd that happen? Oh, that's a whole separate interview. That's a whole separate interview. And would it be safe to say that you have, I mean, were you, were you, were you wired to, to think, I don't want to work for anyone else. I'm going to make my own way as a young age. You want me to answer that one? That I'll answer. My first real job, if you want to say the word real, I was probably like 12. There was a guy in, in my neighborhood who would hire local kids. So I'm in Philadelphia, soft pretzel capital of the world. And he would set kids up in front of supermarkets, baseball fields, you know, here or there. He would put a table up and give you rows of soft Philadelphia pretzels and bags and a little apron with money and change. And I sold pretzels at, you know, 12 years old as a kid in Philadelphia. And I would stand out in front of a supermarket all day and I would sell a couple hundred pretzels and the guy would come back and he would pay me like 15 or $20 for the, He would take the money, hand me 15 or 20 bucks and send me home. And to a kid in the seventies, $15, get ready. I'm, <laughs> I'm living. Uh, it only took me a few weeks of doing that. So I figured out my father had said, you know, you could go to the pretzel factory, buy the pretzels yourself, stand out there and keep all the money. Oh, yeah. And then I went and I bought 200 pretzels, a couple hundred pretzels and started standing out 12 years old, standing out front. And then guy's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, sell my pretzels. And then I'd go home with like $100 instead of $15. And I was like, yeah, I think doing it for yourself is the way to do it. But you could also go buy your pretzels, have a shitty day and lose all your money. So risk reward, take all the risk, gain all the reward. So have that's what the podcast is really. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go on. Go on. Well, that's what this podcast is all about. And that's why I wanted to start it. It's about how, how people made waves in their lives and in their careers. And, you know, when I think of you, obviously you think of, um, you know, the products, but I always looked at you and thought, how did that start? And that in, in a guitar world that there's so many options, right? And by the time the early 1900s, 1900s, 1990s came around, I mean, and and I actually and again I I credit Eddie with this back in the in seventy let's go seventy six seventy seven seventy eight there was no warmth you know there was no after you know after you know parts aftermarket kind of thing he created that so with that everybody had parts you know there was a part for everything you want new tuners you want the new post I mean people made everything so for you to jump into the fray despite who you worked with, um, it took a lot of courage. It took a lot of courage to leave your job, took a lot of courage to even have the balls to say, hey, Ed, you want to see this? And then everything else that you've done since then. Build a better mousetrap. Yeah. Do it better and and bet on yourself. I, 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 I probably said that three times today before I talked to you. Bet on yourself. Take all the risk, gain all the reward. Take all the failure with it, too. Because I, I I have my share of failures as well. It's it's not all wine and roses and you know rock stars and parties and you know that, yeah. it's it's a lot of trying. Well, speaking specifically about the Detuna, how many versions did you? How many modifications? How many versions were there before we have what we have today? 20, 25. Okay. And in any of those 25s, did you want to quit? No. Okay. Never. I'll, I'll go. No, but even now today, when I, when I develop product or work with someone or do it myself, I, I no, I'll never quit. And I will go down with a ship on a project if I believe in it. No. Okay. 
have you worked on a project or, or a concept where you, you thought, all right, I thought this would do, I thought this would achieve this, this purpose, but I don't think it will. And then you thought better of it. I've, I've, I've left projects behind um, where I didn't think that after a certain amount of time that risk reward wouldn't be worth it. Yeah. Um, I partner with people on certain projects as well because I, I have a lot of friends in the industry and even people I don't know because I was able to take a couple of products from an idea to, you know, prototype to inception to the market to the, then to the masses. So people, I'll get an email all the time saying, you know, hey, I have this great product that's going to change the way this works and da, 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 da. And I know you know how to get shit made and sell it. And do, do, do you want to see it? And my answer always is, yeah, let's sign an NDA because yeah. I don't. If I say no to you, I don't want to get accused of whatever. And some guys, I'll say, this is good. Maybe I'll get involved and help you develop it the rest of the way. Or, no thanks, but no thanks. So I get to see a lot of that stuff come up, and some of it's pretty good. Um, so at this point, uh, the Detuna is up and running. Um, when did you come up with the concept of the big blocks? I can't lay a year on it, but was it soon after or was that something that you were kicking around? It kicked, it kicked for a while. Then I got some prototypes made and I played with it and, I thought it was a good idea. And even at that point, because I was small, where I, I talked to a couple of companies like, hey, you know, maybe we could do this. And they're like, we don't need you. We're blah, 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 blah. All right. And I literally started the company with one product. So I started it by myself and, and I got a couple of artists on board that really helped me propel and and i just kept it, it was very grassroots and it still is yeah you know i i don't i don't look for you know the biggest net or this or that i want to make the best product at a fair price that when someone buys it tries it uses it says i'm happy i got my money's worth my guitar sounds better the guy helped me everything was good 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 that's what i'm looking for more than anything what was the genesis genesis of that idea? Did you think by making a brass block would it or bigger? Okay. Well, a bigger and better materials. Okay. You know, I mean, was you that would just see a hypothesis though. Did you thought, well, if this is bigger, that must make it sound with more sustain and it must vibrate more. And the biggest thing, if you want to talk about the blocks, and it is my my cornerstone item. People think you're hearing the block in your guitar. You're not hearing the block in your guitar. You're hearing your guitar. All I did was take the blanket off of it. I took the vibration from the string, amplified it, pushed it back out into the body, and pushed everything. So instead of me talking to you like this, now I'm talking to you like this. Yeah. That that's the that's what that product does. Okay. A bigger, B better material, more vibration. You're, you're taking the blanket off of what you already paid for. Did you find it was challenging to market that product because it's a product that's underneath the guitar, behind the guitar? No. Okay. You want to know why? Because you as a guitar player, me as a guitar player, we're nerds. Yeah. We want to know why this pickup was better than that. This pot's better than that. You know, if you use this wire instead of that wire, it sounds different. And so what it, did you rely on word of mouth then? Yeah, I was small, dude. I, I'm yeah. telling you, one product. Yeah, I started with one stupid product, and I wasn't even sure this was going to work. Yeah. All right. So uh, my last question is about that. Do you find that the artists are a little shy to? Did you ever find that the artists were a little shy about talking about it because they didn't want to reveal their secret sauce, or you know, some guys yes, okay. some guys more than others. And some guys with iconic, iconic tone are like, no, 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 no. We're not touching this. We're not touching it. And my, this is what I would say to all those guys. 
I'm going to take this off of your guitar and I'm going to put this on it. You're going to play your guitar, put it on, play it. If it doesn't sound better, we're going to take it off and put this back on. And we're still friends. Don't, uh, there's no obligation. Let's just smell it. Yeah. And I don't want to name names, but some of the major, major guys and guys on, on that list. And I never took one off. They just. So I'm going to go over some of these names. Yeah. You have, of course, Eddie Van Halen, uh, Nuno Betancourt, Phil Collin of Def Leppard, Slash, Snake Sabo, Mick Mars, Nancy Wilson. I mean, it's not only, I mean, the music genres are so wide, let alone the names. It's just pretty remarkable. I have country guys, you know, yeah. the guy, the guy in Rascal Flats. I have death metal guys. You know, it's just, I, I'm. It doesn't matter what you. Nancy Wilson plays my bridge pins on acoustic guitar. All I do is make it vibrate more, and you hear more of the guitar. That's it. That's the yeah. big secret. But I use my materials, my design. It sounds the way it sounds. I don't care what kind of music you play. I don't care what kind of guitar you play. I don't care any. All I want to do is take the blanket off of your guitar and just make it sound better. Yeah. And so I don't know anything about this. Do you have to go when you're coming up with this? Do you have to go to Floyd Rose and ask permission of any kind? Or Okay. I don't know how that works. Um, what I love is your PMS. Thank you. Because I hard mount all my pickups. Because I just, I don't know, and, and, and the reason why I asked what your thought was with the blocks, because in my, a lot of what I do to my guitars is just, well, maybe, I, I think this makes sense if, if I did this and this, that makes sense, and then you do it, and then sometimes you notice it and sometimes you don't. With your products, for instance, I put um, a big block on my Wolfgang, and it just makes it, I, I always just say, tell friends, this is like you put balls on the guitar, it just sounds better. It's got, in my opinion, has more sustain. It sounds like it's a That's bigger it. instrument. Um, with the PMS, it just allows that same idea with my pickups when I have a Les Paul and I just want to mount it directly to the body. I love it. Thank you. And PMS was an, a, a great example of another product that I partnered with and helped finish development of. So a very good friend of mine, Mike Learn, the airbrush painter, who's probably the best airbrush guy in the business, had the idea of it, but it wasn't for the masses. And we collaborated a little bit and made it work for the masses. And I'll rewind this a little bit. Who was the first guy to direct mount a pickup to the body? Yeah. EVH, you know, just because. And maybe out of even necessity, not even realizing that that, was a tonal improvement. So you take that idea of a pickup floating in a ring, not touching anything, just floating. It's like a microphone moving mm -hmm. around in your mouth. Then direct mounting it to the body. It's almost like putting your ear on the wood of the body. And now just put a piece of brass in there. Yeah, It's going to amplify that vibration just even a little bit more. So that's, that's the whole concept of that. And I got to tell you, you, I don't even think we would even know what direct mounted pickups were if it wasn't for him. And now you see companies just direct mounting pickups to the body. You know, I mean, if you think about it, um, oh man, it's just he's uh, as a guitar as someone that studies the history of guitar. Um, he just changed everything, the, the playing of the music, the style of the music, but just the Floyd Rose in general. I know that uh, he had some kind of relationship with Floyd where he was a, a sounding board to, you know, real life. Is that is I mean, I don't know if that's what uh, I read. Uh, um, not my uh, scope. Okay. But, um, you know, he had a lot to do with that. And at the time, Kramer had the exclusivity to that, to that Floyd Rose. So it was just, he's, I look at it as we all have Floyd Roses because of him. Um, when you mentioned, put your head on the guitar, I don't understand why people don't buy into the direct mount theory because th there are times where I'll have an electric, this is when, since I was a kid, little kid, if I didn't have an amplifier near me, but I had my electric guitar in my hands, I would just put my ear up to the horn, the top horn. And it was like having an amplifier in my hands. Yeah. And you do that with anything. It's this basic sound 
you know, theory. But anyway, I, I just want to say I appreciate everything you've done. Um, you. you had mentioned failures. Do you have a favorite? It sounds like a weird question, but do you have a favorite failure that led to a, a success, led to a breakthrough? That's a handcuffed question. Let me think for a few seconds. Yeah. Um, like something yeah. that didn't go right, but then it actually ended up being a good thing. Maybe not to go to the good thing, but a, I, I'm thinking of a couple of failures in my head that I don't want to say because I may revisit them. Okay. And then if I say it, then all of a sudden someone's like, yeah, we better get on that. Yeah. But I, I two or three right off the top of my head, I'm going, maybe we should talk about that again and <laughs> try and figure it out and, and see if we could get the answer to that. Yeah. It is, it is truly a, a labor of love, a passion to do, you know, the old cliche, do something you love, you'll never work another day in your life is completely true. You know, I, I, I get it because mm -hmm. I do it and I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. That's what I love to do. Well, how do people find you on, on social media, on the web? So on the web, it's fu-tone.com. And on the, if you just go there, you could link to all the socials or search. Just Google fu-tone, fu-tone, okay. whatever it is. And we've talked about the detuna, the blocks, the PMS. Are there, you know, what else do you have on that site? There, there's basically every component of, and I'll just talk about locking tremolo for a second, and in order of importance. So after you do your big block, biggest thing you could do, the saddle inserts, I make them in titanium and naval brass. Second biggest thing you could do, they don't get stuck in your saddle, crack and expand. They sound better. I make them in colors now. They look cool. Um, noiseless springs. Are, are a big item, brass claws, titanium posts, titanium hardware, all the screws and bits and pieces. So that's for all the locking trims. But like I also mentioned, I do acoustic bridge pins, the PMS, as you mentioned. Um, I, I don't want to sound like I'm doing a commercial for FU, but since you asked, I'll just finish it out. I make blocks for Stratocasters. We have you know, upgrade parts for lots of different guitars. The motto is, you know, just make it sound better, make it feel better, make it play better, make it function better, and make it what you want it to be. You know, and guitar players are insane. We're insane. We'll sit here and talk about, you know, the values on a, a push push pot to, you know, see. What, and people would go, "That's ludicrous." I'm like, not really. Seems pretty normal to me. What uh, what about non um, uh, like Floyd Rose style tremolos? Do you no like strat strat trems? I do okay. like a regular six point strat trem. We do a two point strat uh, trem upgrade. Um, springs and claws you could put on any kind of tremolo system. Uh, we do a full brass strat style trem. The acoustic parts. Um, so strats are known to be kind of thin. Guitars, sounding guitars. Um, I, you know, I've been meaning to call you because I have a, a 91 Japanese Strat that I've been toying around with the idea. I've only upgraded my Floyds. What would that? What will that block make my? And I'm just just the block. Let's just say, what would make the Strat? What would, how how would that change the tone of the Strat? It, it would be the same effect. All it would do would take that string vibration, amplify it, push it back out into the body, make it louder, make it last longer, more sustain, more definition, more clarity, you know, and especially on the Strat. The Strat, you know, notoriously, some of the blocks I pull out of Strats, I don't even, it looks like they're made out of melted down tin cans. But for it, those people out there that are, are on the fence, let's say, would it take the, is it still a Strat? Is it still going to sound like a Strat? No, it sounds like more of a Strat. Okay. It sounds like more. And just like I tell the artists, put it in. And if it doesn't sound better and you don't love it, take it out, send it back. They don't, I don't get them back. Okay. They don't come back. Right. And I, I stand behind my product. And for, to a skeptical guy, I don't care if you're not a rock star, put it in. 
play it. If it doesn't sound better, take it out, send it back. Yeah. Well, a couple of things before we wrap up. One, I just want to appreciate your, let's just say, customer service. There's been Thank a handful you. of times that I've called the website and you've literally picked up the phone. Well, not literally, every single time. And you have been... If, if I'm, I, I'm customer service. I know, this that's my it. point. I was telling Jeremy that off, off camera. I was like, I, I called a cell phone and what other business has that kind of support? So anyone that's listening, if you want support and the best products out there, give Adam a call. Thank you for that. And I'll tell you this, everyone around me, Everyone, my, my employees, my kids, uh, any, anyone close to me, they all say the same thing because the phone rings all the time. They're like, you got to give that up. Now the company's big enough. You got to give that up. Just get an 800 number and have them leave a message. You, I go, that's the secret sauce. That is a secret sauce because no one else could answer the question the way I would answer it. And no one else is going to answer. I can't tell you how many times I hear these two things. Oh my God, is this the guy from the video? Is this Adam? I'm like, yeah. They're like, I can't believe I'm talking to you. I'm like, I can't believe I'm talking to you. You know, it's it's that. <laughs> or it's like, oh my God, it's Sunday afternoon. You answer the phone. I'm like, yeah, what's up? You know, I don't know what well, to do with this. I'll just say this. I've been in the industry, the entertainment industry for over 25 years. And someone with your resume could be a big prick. And yeah. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. God. That's the best compliment I got all day. I'm not a big prick. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time. Right? But when I think of you, I think, that's a nice guy. Nice guy. You know what? You want to know why? Because I was that kid on the other end of the phone. I was that kid that would walk into my local music store and try and ask a question and talk to the guy. And sometimes with success... And other times, like, what do you want, kid? You know, and I remember that. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And especially the younger the guy, the more inexperienced the guy. This, I'm like, come on in. I got you. Come on. It's it's okay. Let's go. Yeah. I don't forget that, and that's important to me. And I and I I treat slash the same way I treat the kid on the phone or who comes in here. It's all the same to me. I don't care. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you, what would you recommend, you know, businesses, what, what, what one nugget, but you just told me the nugget, good customer service. Um, how have you used media now that we have online video and mobile, how have you used media, social media, video to increase the brand's reach? I'm getting better at it and, uh, and it's still a work in progress. And, and I, I buy better equipment now and I try to make the videos look better and sound better and this and that. But the real answer to that is give the information, answer the questions, solve the problem. It doesn't have to be a slickly produced Super Bowl commercial. If I show you how to measure the right size block in your guitar and you can figure that out based on the video that I made, that's the win. And how I answer the same 10, 12 questions day in and day out that I have a video for all of them and I'm still making more. How many springs do I need on my guitar? Why does this not work? How do you align the springs? How do you put this in? How do you install that? And I try to make that video to answer that question, not just so I don't have to repeat it 500 times, but so that I could show you play along at home, you know, do it with me. And I tell guys, watch the video first, then do it with the video. And if you have a problem, call me. I can't tell you how many times I've jumped on a video call and go, no, 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 move oh that. Move and when I was a kid, nobody helped us. And nobody, first off, half of the guys that you would ask didn't even know. And I can't tell you how much wrong information is out there. Yeah, because a lot of my calls start with, hey, man, I was reading on some forum. I'm like, stop right there. Mm. Or my my favorite, my guy said, I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 stop right there. No, no, no. He's been doing this for 20 years. I go, just stop. Anything that starts with my guy or I saw online, 90% of the next sentence is run. Just get away. Bad news. What's your favorite? Last question. What's your favorite guitar you own? It's an unfair question, but I'll give you an answer because, I again, I change all the time. But I have one guitar. Uh, 
I have my purple EVH Music Man that was that is it was my main guitar. Like when I was younger, I played in bands, or it's just it's my go-to. I used it as a um, prototype guitar to test parts. So it, like right now, I think the original naval brass locking nut prototype is still on it. An early version of the Fu2 tremolo is on it. I would I would use that guitar as a testing bed because I was so intimate with the guitar. I would know what I was, I knew what my baseline was, not to mention it's probably the best playing and sounding guitar that I own. I'm very fortunate that over the years I've collected enough guitars where I can enjoy different things, but my purple music man is my go-to, go-to guitar. They're sweet. Well, I have a red one in there. Uh, there. So- I actually need to bring that up to you. Come on. Do a lot of different things to it. That uh, that is your next trip because we were gonna do this in person. I know, I know. But, but now we have an excuse. We do, we do. Bring your guitar, bring your camera, we'll play your guitar, we'll fix we'll upgrade it, and then you'll play okay. it again. We'll see how it goes. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Don't tease me, Adam. You're teased. So, actually, you're not teased, you're dared. With the EVH Frankenstein. What kind of, I had no idea that those shipped with that neck pickup uh, cable attached. The last version is, I actually have one right here. Let me grab it. Was his original like that? Could you do that? Okay. I mean, originally that pickup had a wire on it, but he okay. never he never hooked it up. Right, never hooked it up. But 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 if you grab the original Frankie, it still has that, it still has. The wire's the, all shoved yeah, under yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, okay. Yeah but never hooked up. And that's how this comes from the factory. Yeah. This is a great guitar. Obviously it just looks cool. Oh yeah. But this one, um, this one's mine. So it's upgraded and you'll see the bigger oh block, God. the stopper, nice the springs, there. springs, the brass claw on the front, the titanium parts and inserts. But as you mentioned, we hooked up this pickup and I have a push, push pot instead of a push pull. Pop it up. I have them both on. Pop it down. Just this. So nice and easy on the fly. Push, push. You know, it's funny. When I saw your original video where you showed that, I initially thought, oh, is that sacrilege? And then I thought, no, how cool is that? Because Eddie would do the same thing. Yeah. I, and, my answer to sacrilege is what you said. What would he say? Yeah. Yeah. Do it, man. Just go ahead. That's the thing. I get caught up with I am such a Van Halen nerd that I get caught. So, for instance, my you can't see it but the red one my music i say it i say it um my the the i mean it's so old it's what 90 i think that one's a 93 the the cream tone knob just broke and i haven't gotten another one and i put the i forget what they call them is those knobs of the other on the wolf gangs and it just doesn't feel right but then i thought he wouldn't care (laughs) he did whatever you know i was just a stickler oh no that's i grew up as in in my first like i knew all about 1984 and van halen but like 5150 just grabbed me so that guitar is the guitar that was on inside of my lockers and on my book covers and i mean that is that's the guitar that changed my life so i haven't done i literally put my original 84 floyd on it that i had on my kramer back then that's on there and then uh I haven't, I think one of your blocks is on there, but other than that, I haven't done anything with it because I just want to leave it the way I remember it. But if I want to buy that Frankie, I'm going to do that, that tweak to it. They, let me tell you something. Fender does a great job with this guitar. This guitar, I mean, it's, for, it's easy to say, oh, for the price, it's good. Forget the price. It's just a good guitar, period. So I'll swear by these EVHs because I don't have the USA ones. I have, uh, what do I have? I have a Stealth Mexican and then I have the 5150. I've never seen guitar um, like paint done that way. I mean, they they do an amazing job down there. So it's not even. I mean, it's still a thousand dollar guitar. That one is I don't know thirteen fourteen, but they do amazing job. I have a I have a purple um, special, purple Wolfgang special in my office. Yeah, that is stellar. Just an amazing. I don't care how much it costs. It's well, an amazing guitar. You helped me with this one inadvertently. 
So it's my stealth Wolfgang. And I had, it was one of those days I called you on a Saturday and you picked up the phone and I wanted to put, um, I had this kill switch forever and I was just always too afraid to put it up here because I didn't want to drill into the guitar. I didn't want to do all the nonsense that happens back here. So you had mentioned just taking out the tone switch and that's what I did. I had to do a little drilling, but you can't see it. And it's just, it's awesome. It's awesome. I, I prefer, I prefer the, the switch there too. It's a much easier install. Yeah. And, and let's be honest. How many times did you touch that tone knob? Oh, I never touch it. I never touch tone knobs. Exactly. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much. I think you are a great example of American fortitude and just, you know, putting a business together and working hard and having it succeed. So I thank appreciate you. how you're an example of making waves. And that's exactly why I wanted you on the podcast. And here's what I'm going to say to you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for, and not just for me, just for all the stuff you do, that you share information, you create conversation, you you make a, a positive place for people to just talk and shoot the shit and be together. And, and it's a nice thing. And there's a handful of, and I'll do these. There's, there's certain little groups that, you know, they're the cool people. Yeah. Not cool positive, upbeat, want to help the next guy, not rip down people or say, oh, your tone sucks or you can't play or you I hate that about the internet. Yeah. I, I love this about the internet where people just get together, support each other, share ideas and, and, and be positive. Our world is a goofy place because it's, it's very Both much sides. Yeah. It's very much team politics. And especially yeah. we've talked a lot about uh, you know, Van Halen, you don't even start me on the whole Sammy Dave, you know, which uh, side are you on? doesn't have to be. Side? Yeah. I'm, a, I'm on the Eddie what, side. Wait, which band is it? Van Halen, right? You know, speaking of that, I was thinking about that the other day, and I wanted to create a, a, a story about it. We all remember there used to be, and this is what saddened me the most, there used to be an Eddie side. You know what I mean? He was always on that side of the stage. And there'll be no one, he's the only one in the world that I've ever heard of. We got to figure, there's no, I mean, I love Slash, but no one's asking what side Slash is on. You know what I mean? It's like the Eddie side. So if I ever had a band, if I ever started a new band, I think I'd call it Eddie side. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come see it. 